the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of the arsing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Well, well, well. Good morning to you. So very glad to have you aboard. It's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and uh, we got ourselves a ball game, fellas. 13th morning of the ninth month year of our Lord, 2023. The game is on. It has been officially been entered now by uh, the House Republicans. Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, finally taking the steps that are necessary to expose in full everything that can be exposed about the first family of crime, notably the Biden family. Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, in business, enriching all of the other Bidens, by giving and selling out American policy in exchange for millions millions of dollars from foreign interests, including foreign interests in countries not necessarily friendly to the United States. Taking money from Ukraine, from China, from Romania, from Kazakhstan, all of these things are now going to be wide open to the American public because... We're about to have ourselves an impeachment inquiry. Welcome back, everyone. 
You know, in the months that we were gone, in the weeks, House Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Eyewitnesses have testified that the President joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his son's and his son's business partners. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shale companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Biden used his official office to coordinate with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role in Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company. Finally, despite these serious allegations, it appears that the President's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration. Treatment that not otherwise would have received if they were not related to the President. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. That's why today I am directing our House Committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the President would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. This effort will be led by Chairman James Comer at the Committee on Oversight in coordination with Chairman Jim Jordan for Judiciary Committee and Chairman Jason Smith on Ways and Means. Now, I do not make this decision lightly. And regardless of your party or who you voted for, these facts should concern all Americans. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. Now, I would encourage the President and his team to fully cooperate with this investigation in the interests of transparency. We are committed to getting the answers for the American public. Nothing more, nothing less. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. Thank you. And with those words, Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, essentially, like I said, finally entered the game. 
you know, and I use that baseball or football or sports metaphor when I talk about the game, but of course this is so much bigger than a game. We are talking about the trust that the people of the United States have in the federal government, the trust that they have specifically in the administration that is in power at the executive level. And that's the Biden family. And you cannot trust a family that has this many open questions, with this much evidence, from this many whistleblowers, from foreign uh, agents uh, testifying, from uh, FD-1023 forms. All of the information and evidence that has been gathered by the committees thus far through some extraordinary investigative work, all of that stuff has led us to this point, which Speaker McCarthy is right, is the next logical step. We can't go much further, as far as I can understand it, we can't go much further than we've already gone in terms of the original committees of oversight, judiciary and ways and means, and the work that they've done without this being uh, corrupted and interrupted by the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice, headed up by Attorney General Merrick Garland, is absolutely not going to stand by and allow the administration to be taken down by their own corruption and their own greed. So this has to be done in a fully transparent manner, where the Attorney General and others in the Department of Justice are cut out of the loop. Full-on impeachment inquiries mean hearings and testimony that cannot be blocked by the, the Attorney General, uh, and there is going to be no stone left unturned to find out the facts. Now, you just heard the statement from Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Now I want you to listen to a portion of an interview done uh, on CNN with uh, um, Ian Sam, spokesperson for the White House Counsel's Office. As he just listened to the question and then listened to the non-answer. Because we know what the impeachment inquiry is about. As well, as a matter of fact, let's clarify that before I give you this part of the interview. Jim Jordan was on Fox this morning, and Jim Jordan was asked, what is the impeachment inquiry about? And he was very, very clear, and he said, there are four fundamental facts at the core of this that simply cannot be explained away, despite all of their attempts to give uh, those who testified, witnesses to all of these things, an attempt or an opportunity to explain them away, there is simply no way to get around these things. The four basic fundamental facts he pointed out: number one, Hunter Biden, back when Joe Biden was vice president, Hunter Biden was put on a board at Burisma Holdings, which is an energy company in Ukraine. He was put on that board of directors despite, fact number two, having no qualifications whatsoever, knowing nothing about energy, knowing nothing about Ukraine, knowing nothing about um, uh, speaking the language, much less being able to contribute to policy and, 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 and decisions that a board must make. And the reason he was put on that board, which was number one, with no qualifications, which was number two, according to Congressman Jordan, is because, number three, they asked him directly, Can you weigh in with D.C.? That's a quote. To save us, and this is a paraphrase, from the prosecutor here, Victor Shokin. Can you get D.C. to get this prosecutor off of our Burisma's back? Because we're doing a lot of illegal crap here, and he's about to bust us and ruin the entire thing. 
We need somebody who can make that happen. We need somebody who can get that sh- that prosecutor out of the mix. Which brings us to number four, which is Joe Biden did exactly as requ- excuse me Hunter Biden did exactly as requested. He got Joe Biden to come to Ukraine and get that prosecutor fired. Period. How did he do so? He used U.S. aid to Ukraine as leverage to get that prosecutor fired. We know this because Joe Biden told us this. We know this because... I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. He bragged about his own corruption. He bragged about interfering with a Ukrainian prosecutor's investigation of a crooked energy company, Burisma, because his son was on that board, and his son was being paid handsomely, and so was he, by way of 10% for the big guy, or more, which is literally the textbook definition of corruption. All of this, by the way, verified with the, what the human intelligence revealed on the FD-23 form. So all of this is known. All of this is, is understood and accepted because it was, it was spoken aloud by Joe Biden as he bragged about this on camera. So let's go to the CNN interview with White House counsel, um, um, uh, spokesperson Ian Sands. Ian, one of the other allegations is that the president was uh, present at some of the meetings between Hunter Biden and his business associates. Uh, Take special note of that question. The president was present at the meetings between Hunter Biden and his foreign business associates. Listen to that. At part. some of the meetings between Hunter Biden and his business associates. Uh, why was the president at those meetings on those uh, phone calls? Why was the president at those meetings and on those phone calls? Again, I think this is part of the right wing's misinformation machine to try to confuse people uh, about what the truth is. The truth is that the president, as he has said publicly for years, uh, calls his family every day to check in. He calls his son every day to check in. He calls his other family members to check in to see how they're doing. He loves them. They're they're a tight-knit family. Did you? Did you just hear the same pant load that I did? The reason he called his son and the other family members every day, he's done this every day for years, is because he's just a doting pops. He's just a concerned grandpops. He just tell you every day. He calls him because it's a tight-knit family and they loved him. You notice how he did not answer? I told you to take note of the question. The question asked him by the CNN interviewer was, why was Joe Biden at meetings with Hunter and his business associates. Completely um, 
belying what he himself has said, which is that I never talked to my son about his overseas business dealings. I never have. But he was at some of the meetings, attended them. And the only thing the White House uh, counsel's office can offer is he's, he's just a loving dad. He's just checking in. He's just checking in with his, with his family like he does all the time. It's just, you know, they're a real tight family. You didn't answer the question about why he attended these meetings. And what does a check-in entail? I'm just kind of curious. Let's finish the clip. And what the GOP's own witness testified in this case is that that's exactly what the president was doing. He was checking in with Hunter during a particularly hard time, I might add, a time where the family was going through uh, Hunter's brother Bo's illness. Uh, and, of course, the president checks in with his son and talks to him. But, again, that witness testified no business dealings of Hunter Biden's or anyone's was discussed in these conversations. And so, again, they're trying to make this sort of strange connection when their own investigation has disproven these claims. So, so a check-in. What, 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 when you call your, your kids to do a check-in, what do you usually talk about? Yes, you ask your kids how the, see, i got two kids in college. One's in law school, one's at an undergraduate school. And when I check in with them, we don't just talk about what the weather's like there. We don't just talk about their favorite song. How are things going for you? How are classes? How is football? How is uh, your social life? What's happening with you? Are you working? And if you are working, how is the job? Any Anything interesting? You talk about what the, your loved ones are doing. And we're supposed to believe that Hunter Biden, who is named point man for the, excuse me, let me back that up, sorry, that Joe Biden, who is named point man for Ukraine policy in the Obama administration, checked in on his son, who was on the board of a Ukrainian energy company that was being investigated by the Ukrainian prosecutor, And when Dad called to check in as the doting, loving father he was, he never said, how are things at Burisma? He never asked him anything about his business dealings. That's what we are supposed to believe? Well, you can believe that if you you want to, like, bury your head under a rock. If you want to sit in a cave and stick your fingers in your ears so you cannot hear, squeeze your eyes tut real tightly so you cannot see. And hum things to yourself like, I can't hear it, I can't hear it, I can't hear it. Mm, no, 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 I don't hear you. If that's the way you want to live your life, go ahead. Because you would have to be doing those things in order to not see the obvious corruption that took place. Which is why, by the way, the, the uh, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Scott Perry, uh, unloaded on a reporter trying to suggest that this impeachment inquiry is being brought with no evidence. As it turns out, it's 926, and I can't give you that unloading yet, but I'll give it to you on the other side of the break. This is Always Right Radio on AM4. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz and The Answer. But the four central facts are the, are the one dealing with Burisma. And here's the irony. That is the very thing they went after President Trump for. They went after President Trump for something that wasn't accurate. They said he held up money and got, got Ukraine to do certain things. Ukraine didn't do anything, and they got the money. But they, they impeached President Trump for that, 
Joe Biden leveraged American tax dollars to get certain actions from Ukraine. That's the big irony here. He actually did what they impeached President Trump for. But worse, but worse than that. Um, I'm getting an echo now, and I don't know why, but I'm getting a strong reverb in my head. There you go. It's gone now. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, it, it's much more interesting than, than that. It's much more damaging than that, quite frankly, because Joe Biden leveraged American tax dollars in order to generate Biden bribe dollars. In other words, they benefited, they profited personally through funding um, in bribes that were paid to Hunter and Joe Biden. That's what this inquiry is all about. It's not just that the Biden administration did, or excuse me, the Obama administration with Joe Biden as vice president. It's not just that they did what they accused Donald Trump of doing years later, which is always how it is. It's called projection. They project onto us everything that they themselves are guilty of. It's a, it's a very time-honored tradition with the Democrats. But, um, and it's been effective, too. But what they, what Jim Jordan said on Fox this morning is so important is that they accused Trump of trying to use tax dollars in the form of aid to Ukraine to generate some sort of benefit for him, which never happened, and, and they got their money. Joe Biden said, you don't do what benefits my son, his company that he's on the board of Burisma, and by extension, me, when the money comes my way, um, we're gonna, we're not gonna give you aid from the American taxpayers. You heard him, you heard what he said when they said, you don't have the authority to do that, uh, call him, meaning call Obama, cause he'll back me on this. So, for the left, to be so incredulous now as to, I cannot believe that these people are trying to, to impeach Joe Biden on no evidence. It's just so disingenuous considering what they did to Donald Trump literally without evidence. And when it comes to the Joe Biden situation, there is evidence. All right, last question. Yes, ma'am. Tell us, what actual evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about some of you. Oh, I don't know. McCarthy for the sake of enacting political revenge. Uh, this isn't about political revenge. We have the bank accounts. We can see, ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. Those things aren't normal. That's not normal to have 20 shell country, companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the president, the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a bitch, the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. People can't see that. They think it's political revenge. It's because you don't report on it. I'm not sure how you know what the American people think. But here, And I love that. I love that line by the reporter there. Um, see, see Obin Kennedy or somebody like that. <clears throat> The American people think this is political rev- revenge. First of all, if you have been covering and reporting as Scott Perry, that by the way was the chairman of the House Judici- or the House um, uh, uh, Freedom Caucus, Scott Perry uh, unloaded on her 
because she said, you know, the, there's no evidence. This is political revenge. And he said, and he unloaded on her and said, we have this evidence, this evidence, this evidence, and this evidence, and we have to tie them all together. And that's what the impeachment inquiry, an inquiry, by the way, is a question. When you inquire about something, you are seeking answers. This is not an impeachment uh, that is being that is being held. This is an impeachment question, an inquiry. And that question is validated uh, by so much of the evidence we have already shown you. And she said, well, the American people haven't seen it. And he said, you haven't reported it. And it's true. They haven't if they had been following and reporting on the evidence presented by whistleblowers, the evidence presented by numerous witnesses who testified before the House um Oversight Committee and others before the Judiciary Committee and some before the Ways and Means Committee, it would be very, very clear what they're going after Joe Biden for. They're going after Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because they were working together on bribery schemes to enrich one another as well as the rest of the Biden family. Every Biden benefited from this scheme. That's reality. That's what this is all about. And the inquiry is to find out exactly how deep it really ran. And to find out exactly how much and how long, you know, Joe Biden had been doing this. It is extraordinarily likely. This part is complete speculation on my part. Just to, to I want to, I want to be clear on what I'm presenting that we know versus what I'm just telling you that I think. Because that's called being responsible. It is my belief that Joe Biden, who had run for president multiple times prior to the Obama presidency, knew that his political career was pretty much shot now. It was never going to happen for him. He was never going to you know, become president of the United States and be the lead dog. And as such, you know, the age that he was, you know, and again, we're talking about 2014, 15, so, you know, he was still in his 70s. He was probably at that point like, I'll do whatever I have to do to kind of cement things for myself. And for my family going forward, I'm going to take care of the legacy. I'm going to make sure everybody is is is, uh, is covered. I'm going to make sure that we have generational wealth. Can't do it on a on a salary of a vice president. Can't really do it on a salary and a pension of a senator. If I really want to make that, I'm going to have to find another way. And with Hunter Biden out there selling his last name to foreign businessmen, to foreign oligarchs particularly in the energy sector, that needed favors from the American government. What better way to make that happen? Hunter got a spot on a board with his buddy, Devin Archer. Neither one of them knew anything about energy or Ukraine, but Archer helped pull Hunter into a board in in Ukraine. I I need to work with that. So... Barack Obama hands Joe Biden the keys to Ukraine policy. You handle it. You handle Ukraine. You handle our diplomacy. You handle our 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 our, um, our policy with them. He made Joe Biden his appointment on Ukraine. So here's Joe Biden gets the keys to the Ukraine policy. He's got a son on a board in Burisma or a board of Burisma that is. Corrupt as the day and long, it is under serious investigation by the prosecutor general there, Victor Shokin. Shokin is about to blow the whole thing up. Hunter, following exactly what he was 
the playbook he was given, following the orders that he was given when he was granted a job on that board, despite knowing nothing about policy or nothing about energy or, or, or Ukraine, is getting paid $83,000 a month. Note, I didn't say a year, a month. That's a million dollars a year to do what? To bring what expertise to the table? To bring the ability to beep, 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 boop, 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 boop. Hey, Dad, get this prosecutor off Burisma's backs. No problem, son. And here we go. Son of a bee. Uh, I got him fired. All of this was to enrich him and his family in the, in the twilight of his political career. And so the corruption that the left is saying there's no evidence of is there in plain sight. This father and son tag team put a scheme together to enrich themselves and all of the other Biden. the other day you said dad i need some crack can you help me today and i had lots of cash but bills to pay he said don't worry dad i'll find another way he was smoking for i knew it and away he flew saying i'm gonna be like you dad you know i'm gonna be like you and hunters in the basement with a silver spoon the hookers and drugs were gonna be there soon when you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll be good and high by then, Dad Yeah, I'll be good and high by then Picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re- even remotely resembled crack cocaine I'm very proud of my son My son came around just the other day He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay Will anyone know? He said, no, no way. And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim and said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. He's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And hunters in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes were going to be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'll put aside your 10%, Dad. I'll always have your 10%. I know how to game the system. Come on. Come on. Well, he came from Kiev just the other day. Had a smile so big I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. How's our cash supply? He nodded his head and said, Great big guy, but what I really need, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. You can take the vet, but watch the boxes, please. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Classified papers all over the room. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'm getting good and high again, Dad. I'm getting good and high again. He pointed out the reason why he regrets it is he didn't anticipate that that folks like Giuliani would use it to, in fact, try to embarrass his father. Yes, they are. The flat bugs. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. I stole an election and my son moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, you owe some cash, I want my cut today. He said, calm down, Dad, you know it's on the way. 
But my laptop is gone and now it's on you And now we're both really screwed, Dad And now we're both gonna be screwed And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He was damn near dumber than me My boy was dumb as me And there was Hunter in the basement with a silver spoon All of our crimes were coming out real soon When's it all end, son? I don't know when But we're gonna end up in the pen, Dad We're both gonna be in the pen I am absolutely certain, 100% certain That at the end of the investigation That I will be clear of any wrongdoing. God save the Queen, man Okay, 9.53. So that's uh, that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of where we are right now with the impeachment inquiry. And I welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945. I haven't even thought about going to the phones because I wanted to give you every piece of information that we could about where things are and make sure you understood it. And, of course, uh, uh, punctuating that uh, with the uh, uh, Hunters in the Basement song. That song is still available at whkradio.com on the homepage. Just download it to your phone. It costs 99 cents. You can save it and share it and have fun with it. Um, We had fun with it. Although it's, you know, although it's a parody, it is truly life-imitating art. That is what's happening with that father and son team. So I wanted to lay that out for you. I do welcome your thoughts on whether or not you think the Republicans will have any success. And, and this is a bigger part of the question really how do you define success from this impeachment inquiry we know full stop joe biden's not going to be voted out of office by the senate he's not going to be found guilty in the senate quote-unquote trial which is how the impeachment process works just like donald trump was not trump was impeached twice out of the house and then it died in the senate he was not uh, convicted as they say So that is clearly not going to happen here either. So it begs the question, how do you define success? I know how I define it. I know why I support what they're doing, why I've been asking Jim Jordan to work toward making this happen. But I want to know how you define success as it pertains to the Biden impeachment inquiry that is is now being launched by the Speaker, actually by the committees, but under the direction of the Speaker. The other big Biden news of the day is that he is an awful, awful, awful president. Yes, the main event, the Consumer Price Index for the month of August. Headline expected up an aggressive six-tenths, and the economist and analyst delivered up six-tenths. Up six-tenths. Last time we had up six-tenths on a month-over-month was uh, uh, going way back. You have to go all the way back to February, February of 2022 to find a bigger number uh, when it was up seven tenths actually in march it was up as well so now if we consider that the high water mark here in 2005 was up 1.2 yes we've made progress but this follows up two tenths of one percent strip out food and energy up three tenths of one percent year over year up 3.7 percent that is hotter than expected, hotter than the rearview mirror. And 3.7, the last time we were anywhere near there, was up 4% in May. Inflation is back on the rise. After the Biden administration bragging about 12 straight months of falling inflation, 
And, of course, failing to point out the fact that it was at a record high or a near record high because of Biden energy policies and others, uh, up around 9%, 9.5%, it started to fall. Now it's up again, 3.7% year over year. Uh, and that's uh, the first time it was up that high since uh, since back in May. And you just heard that. That was from CNBC, of course. But the question, of course, becomes, what are we going to do about it? Inflation is ruining family budgets in middle America all across the country, and that includes yours and mine. I can guarantee you it does mine. Listen, we have an empty nest now, but do you know that a half-full grocery shopping cart for the two of us costs us the same amount it did for a full grocery cart when all four of us were living at home? That's reality. That's what middle America is all about right now. That's what we're facing, and this is directly the responsibility of the current president of the United States and the policies he has set forth. So we can hit that, too. Uh, let's go to TJ in Cleveland. TJ, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Yeah, hello, Bob. You know, here's the scenario I see coming. You know, Hunter Biden's a loose cannon. They know that. And the more pressure he gets put under, he's going to crack like an egg. And if he does, he's going to take a lot of people down with him. Now, I suspect what we're going to see in the near future is a possible poor suicide, untimely suicide of Hunter Biden. And then the media will take that and spin it around that this was a poor drug addict who was under unlawful persecution. He couldn't take it anymore. He took his own life, and they'll turn the Biden family into a victim. And I don't, I don't think that would say, and thank you, TJ, I appreciate your opinion. That's exactly what I'm asking for. I don't think that would save them because all of the evidence would are, usually when these quote-unquote suicidings happen, it's to silence somebody before they can bring down the bigger fish, um, typically speaking. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Um, but with the uh, with the Biden situation, the damage is already done. The Biden laptop did all the speaking for the could be would be suicided uh, Hunter Biden. The the Biden family laptop is where so much of this evidence, including five thousand plus emails with the pseudonym uh, uh, for Joe Biden, uh, all, all of the information showing, uh, including bank accounts, but all of the information showing that he indeed was on the take and that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden was making sure that Joe got ten percent of every deal, and in some cases he had to pop up fifty percent of pops. All of those things are already on the record. So at this point, it would be too late, with the exception of what TJ said there at the end, which is making the Biden family look sympathetic because they're victimized by the terrible, tragic suicide of, uh, of Hunter. Um, th- this hour flew, and so did this segment, so I apologize. If you're on hold, I just said I wanted calls, and now we're up against it, so I can't take more calls at the moment. We are going to... Oh, we didn't do the pledge either. I apologize for that, too. Boy, we're, 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 it, it's a weird day because of the uh, impeachment inquiry being announced by Kevin McCarthy yesterday. So I did neglect to do the Pledge of Allegiance in hour number one. I will do it to start hour number two. And we're also going to talk with a new congressional candidate, not in Ohio, but in North Carolina. It's a name you know, it's a voice you know, and it's somebody that I have great respect for. And I'm going to share that with you coming up, Bring in our guest, Kenny Shu. Kenny Shu is the author of uh, School of Woke and Inconvenient Minority. He is also the founder of Color Us United. He is also now an official candidate for the U.S. Congress out of the great state of North Carolina. Let's welcome Kenny Shu back to our program. Kenny, thank you for your patience. Sorry about all of the um, shenanigans going on here, but I uh, appreciate your patience. How are you? Now I'm sad not. that I couldn't follow it up, but I'm here. 
Okay, sorry. And for a second, I couldn't hear you either, so I thought we had more problems. Okay, so, um, wow, uh, uh, strong statement there. I'm going to read it again in case people did not hear it because of the EAS or whatever it has just happened. As a congressman, you do a lot more than pass laws, you wrote on Twitter. You're the town advocate, the voice, the authority that big wigs listen to. The state of North Carolina and city of Raleigh deserve someone who exercises that voice on behalf of a culture of excellence. That's me. Tell me about that. It's a pretty strong uh, statement about why you want to run for Congress, but it's also f- kind of a general statement. Let's be specific. Why do you want to be a lawmaker? Why do you want to be on Capitol Hill? Because I want to fix our nation's education system and our culture of excellence. That's why I think Americans of all political stripes right now are very uniquely motivated on this issue. Why? You see, over the past 40 years, Democrats controlled the education system. What has happened? The racial achievement gap hasn't closed. Minorities haven't been educated. We know how to educate kids, guys. We're not that stupid. We've been doing it as a human race for thousands and thousands of years. So what's happening? You're having corrupt interests, including the Biden administration, taking advantage of the money being put into the school system through the federal government and giving it to DEI administrators, HVAC systems, and other people instead of helping children. So my first act as your congressman and this is why you should pay attention to me, even though you don't live in North Carolina, is I will tie funding to outcomes because I do believe that students deserve to learn in this country. You know, that's a... That's a very strong statement, and I concur with it 100%. As a matter of fact, I, I actually posted something yesterday uh, online, um, in, in, which, which is just mind-boggling, not that this is everywhere, but um, the New York Post ran a story about elementary school teachers now being chosen in the interview process uh, based on their DEI principles and their commitment to diversity, inclusion, and equity, not on their, not on their qualifications, not on their ability to bring out the best in their students when it comes to the things we are being slaughtered in on the international stage in terms of, uh, you know, our, our, our reading levels, our ability to do advanced math, and even basic math for that matter. U.S. education system has fallen so far behind the rest of the world, uh, Kenny, and, and they're worried not about getting the best teachers, but getting those who are the most committed to transing classrooms. I mean, that's, that's an absurdity. Yeah, and you see, uh, you see teachers, good teachers, getting fired or excommunicated because they're not succumbing to the DEI woke agenda. I mean, this is what happens when you have an education system that has indulged affirmative action for so long, um, especially during George Floyd. Uh, we as a nation led, let you know, hundreds of unqualified superintendents who were racial minorities come in. In North Carolina, and I'm sure this is the case in Ohio, in North Carolina, we let the Chapel Hill Carborough school superintendent come in from Chicago Public Schools, the worst and most corrupt school district in the nation, and uh, she plagiarized her dissertation. <laughs> and these are the people who are teaching our kids now, and it's going to get worse unless we really put, it, put a crack down to it, and that's why I'm running for Congress. You know, Kenny, uh, there's so many elements to uh, the education issue, and I'm so glad that somebody is making that the forefront of a congressional campaign. I think that's a phenomenal idea. I mean, obviously, we're all concerned about the economy and about the debt and about the invasion at the southern border and so many other things, but education is, you know, should be of paramount importance. There was a story I also saw this morning of a Marine who's a teacher in, uh, an ex-Marine who's a teacher in, in Pennsylvania who was just either fired or reassigned because he dared to question the new policies in place in that district to um, 
uh, to to uh, give every student nothing less than fifty percent. Uh, they cannot get a grade below fifty percent. If they don't turn something in, they get a fifty. If they turn something in that's completely illeg- uh, illegible or or you know nonsensible, you get a fifty. Um, it, it is the decreasing of the expectations or the lowering of expectations of students in order to get them to be socially promoted, I suppose, up through uh, you know the the educational process, and that's doing as much damage as the DEI is, at least in terms of our outcomes. Yeah, it, it reflects a lack of willpower to do the hard thing to make things right. In my new book, School of Woke, which I wrote before I announced my run for Congress, I did the investigation on these public schools. And guess what? Schools that didn't lower the bar, schools like, for example, in the state of Mississippi, where you have to pass a mandatory third-grade reading exam or you don't get promoted to the next grade, they actually did a lot better for minority, for black, for Hispanic kids uh, than schools that didn't. Uh, Mississippi right now, you would think, oh, such an uneducated state. Well, you're wrong, because Mississippi is now the number one state in the nation for low-income reading and math achievement. And that's wow. partially because they they put, you know, they, they were serious. They put some pressure on these schools, and we have to put some pressure on these schools to engage in outcomes, because at the very least, Americans need to see that their school system is working for their children, not the other way around. So, Kenny, give us the lay of the political landscape there in uh, North Carolina. You know, here in Ohio, we don't know a ton. Uh, who you're running against, and what are what are your uh, what are your odds? How do you feel about your chances of finding your way to Congress? I filed an NCO two, which uh, people who don't know that that's really like around the city of Raleigh. Um, right now, you know, experts are saying, "Oh, this is a really Democratic district." But here's the thing: the North Carolina State Legislature is actually redistricting this year and they actually plan on redistricting in such a way to kick a few incumbent democrats out right now we're overrepresented in democrats we are not a democrat state yet we have seven democratic representatives out of 14 congressional representatives so there are vulnerable democrats and that's why i'm stepping up to the plate to really challenge one of them and each of these democrats in north carolina are you know very corrupt and they're very aligned with the biden administration whether it's deborah ross valerie fushi or kathy manning you can bet i'm going to be challenging one of them You've got a firebrand um, who is also running for governor there, and that's, that's of course, the Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Um, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, North Carolina should be embracing that guy, but he is obviously very controversial. I'm hopeful, and, and maybe you can kind of, maybe you've thought about this with your political strategist, that big turnouts for somebody like him might actually lead to, of course, more support and more, vote, more votes for people like you who are probably a lot more politically aligned. Well, you know, I'm good. I'm good friends with a lot of people on that campaign and everything like that. One thing I'm helping uh, the governor, um, the lieutenant governor, excuse me, running for governor, Mark Robinson, do is craft his message around education. This is a winning message. Uh, in fact, independents largely support Republicans over Democrats uh, when it comes to the issue of education, and voters are making it a more important priority. It's the economy, which is always the number one issue, uh, and then it's. Uh, immigration, and then it's education. Education is a huge issue, and it's a growing issue. And, you know, Mark Robinson, uh, being a person, the ninth, of tenth, the ninth of ten children born in poor East Greensboro, knows how people get educated and how people get miseducated. So he should also be the one to speak into this issue, and I'm helping him do it. The uh, thing with, with Mark Robinson, of course, though, is he also takes a ton of heat because he's called a bigot for... Eight, but two genders! 
two genders. <laughs> Ain't nothing but men and women. I play that all the time. Anytime the issue of this thing comes up, it's one of my favorite speeches that I've ever heard on the issue. He's just so direct and blunt about it. But he is, you know, and and and, and you're going to be too because you wrote School of Woke and because of Color Us United, because of the entire mission that you have been on to try to erase race from the, you know, from 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 being the uh, determining factor in so many issues, rather than the anti-racists who want to make it front and center. You're going to be you're going to have a fight uh, on your hands because of that as well. You're going to be you're going to be taking some of the same slings and arrows that he is because of your your thoughts. Oh yeah. Well, I'm not going to be shy about my record. That is right. I helped defeat DEI at Harvard and UNC Medical School. That's right. I helped UNC Medical School promote the most qualified doctors instead of a doctors of a certain race. Wow, if I can't run on that record, I can't run on any record because that is something that all Americans, most Americans, firmly believe in. We should not be lowering standards just to admit people of a certain race. And yeah, you know, if that's considered controversial today, I'll let the voters decide. Uh, and you can help me decide, too, at KennyShoeForCongress.com. I'm glad you said that, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I was going to ask you about how you feel since the Supreme Court decision and the victory was handed down to essentially end affirmative action and college admissions in such ways that you've been talking about for so long, how you feel it's going. Uh, because it appears that some universities have made statements that indicate, okay, we'll follow the letter of the law as the Supreme Court determined, but not necessarily the spirit of it. They're going to find other ways to determine, uh, you know, uh, acceptance based on skin color and based on race as opposed to, be, uh, as opposed to being based on merit. Uh, and others who have said, no, we are going to change our policies and we're going to do exactly what they say now. Um, so what is your, what is your overall assessment thus far of the response to the Supreme Court? decision yeah this is actually another reason why i'm running for congress because you know initially i was very happy about the harvard decision unc decision the the decision that i had that um that the supreme court made that i worked for like five years on right Mm -hmm. but you see now schools like harvard backsliding already they're saying you know we're going to do everything we can to be committed to diversity equity inclusion how could you be committed to diversity equity and inclusion the supreme court just ruled against the use of race in your diversity programs. And I realized they're going to do everything they can to fight to the teeth. So one of the things that I'm going to do in Congress is I'm going to enforce the Students for Fair Admission versus Harvard decision. You know, when when the Supreme Court decided Brown v. Board of Education, there are a lot of states that were resistant to that. There are a lot of people that were resistant to that, and Congress actually had to step in and, you know, enforce that. And so I'm going to enforce the law of the land. And I'm going to pass a law that says colleges, you have to reveal uh, who's getting into your college, what you know demographics they are, and what standards you're holding them to. Because if there are different standards for different applicants, you're doing an illegal thing. Kenny, um, staying on the education issue as a whole, since that's going to be kind of the centerpiece, unless I'm misstating that. I know it's the first thing you brought up, but but uh, there, there are others. But if that's a, a major part of your campaign, what is your opinion of Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the Republican candidates for president, who has said he will immediately, if he were to be successful, um, disband the Department of Education at the federal level? I think that particular idea is a good idea. Um, as a congressman, I don't have the power to a one-man shop immediately disband the DOE. But yeah, if he's the executive, he can. He's going to face support a ton it, of lawsuits for doing that. What'd you say? You would support yeah. it. Um, would I? Yeah, I would support that. 
I would support I would support defunding the Department of Education, and here's why. Um, what did Biden do during the American Rescue Act? He passed 122 billion dollars in funding that went to you know the DOE to disperse to local educational institutions to schools. And what did he ask the schools to do? Absolutely nothing. The schools could spend it on whatever agenda that they had. And as a result, two years after COVID, he passed that law to so-called combat the so-called learning loss of the pandemic. And two years later, we have not experienced any increase in learning since the pandemic. Students are still 4.1 grades behind in math and reading. Uh, they are not, they're not, there's no recovery in learning. There's no V-shaped recovery in learning like there was a V-shaped recovery in the economy. It's dragging on. And so we spent all of that money for absolutely no effect. So the Department of Education largely, I think, is ineffective. Yeah, I think it's ineffective and it's bureaucracy, quite frankly, uh, that, that education is going to have to come from the local level, which brings us to the last thing that I'll ask you about now on this issue. And as we get uh, closer and closer and further into your campaign, I'd love to have, have you back on to talk about things like border issues and, and others. But um, as it pertains to parents' rights and demanding that their children are not exposed to sexuality, sexualization, and so forth, particularly at the younger levels of school, but I would dare I say they shouldn't be doing that in K-12. through um, But, um, you know, by way of getting rid of, of pornographic literature, pornographic uh, depictions of, of sex acts in order to be inclusive in the LGBTQ community, on school shel- bookshelves in classrooms and in school libraries, parents are being told, you don't have a right, your rights end when they hit the, the kid hits the school door. We'll tell you what they can read and what they can't read. And if you push against that, you're, you're declared a book banner. Um, how, do, how are you going to address that as a member of Congress? I literally wrote the book on it. Uh, Terry McAuliffe said, I don't, and the Virginia governor candidate in 2021 said that I don't believe that parents should be telling teachers what to teach or should be educating children for their teachers. Parents are a huge part of the educational process, okay? And so if there's a conflict between a parent and a teacher, they should get in the conference and both voices should be heard and represented. So, you know, as your congressman, I will make sure that the parental rights laws that are enacted in many states is, you know, part of a national platform. Uh, that means no teaching of gender and sexuality before fourth grade, especially the transgender movement. I, I support that. That means no teaching of antithetical critical race studies like black studies that the AP is now introducing, which, by the way, do not mention Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. They do not mention how many white Americans also participated in civil rights. It's all about how America is exceedingly racist towards black people. That's untrue. We have a responsibility to our kids to teach them the truth. So, yeah, I will pass laws that that enforce those paradigms. And uh, that is definitely part of my platform. Well, I, I love that. I love everything about it. I wish you were running in Ohio because I would give you all of the support in the world I could. But from a distance, uh, we'll do what we can as well. I love your ideas. I'm looking at the website right now, KennyShoeForCongress.com. For those who do not know, shoe is spelled X-U. Kenny XU, Kenny Shoe for Congress.com. If you want to help support his campaign in North Carolina for Congress, there is the way to do it. Kenny Shoe, keep up your great work. Uh, stay in touch with us as well. We'd love to bring you back on as this campaign uh, moves forward. And uh, I wish you the very best. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm advocating for all of you. Thank you. I know you are. I know you are. It matters.
Thank you. Um, obviously, you know, we can't vote for him, and he's, you know, not in a in an Ohio district, but he's going to be a vote of 435 in the United States House of Representatives if he is there. So it does matter to us. Everything that he is talking about matters to Ohioans as well as North Carolinians. So let's understand that fact, too. We'll take a time out now, and we'll come back. Open phone lines, 216-901-0919. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1037. <clears throat> Appreciate you joining us uh, this morning. Thanks again to my guests, um, uh, guest to Kenny Shue. I should say it was a great conversation. You should uh, definitely check that out if you missed it. He's running for Congress in North Carolina. Earlier today, we spoke, uh, or we spoke in great depth uh, on the announcement by Speaker Kevin McCarthy that the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden is underway. It's being carried out by the three committees, the Oversight Committee, the Judiciary, and Ways and Means. And um, we're going to finally try to get some of the answers that Americans have been asking about everything that the corrupt Biden family has been into. Evidence has been poured out on a very routine basis by these committees. And yet the left story is, we don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? There's no evidence whatsoever. There's no evidence of corruption. There's no evidence. What do you mean? Hunter Biden made millions and millions of dollars, and and there are 20 different shell companies that have been identified and bank accounts and bank records showing massive amounts of money going into Joe Biden's account, Hunter Biden's accounts, uh, 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 Jim Biden's accounts. Every Biden gets a million. It, it's uh, it's a, it's just business, you know. They're just out there doing business. They're in the business of being in business, and and that's the way things good. That that's the way things get done. There is no service or product that Hunter Biden has to sell on the international market that would generate those kinds of funds. And even if they did, why wouldn't there just be straight checks going from those companies to Hunter Biden's bank account? Why are there shell companies created to launder this money through? All of these questions now need to be asked and answered And the impeachment inquiry gives us an opportunity to get those answers. So it's a big, big part of the story this morning. If you want to comment on that, comment on that. We certainly can. We have a lot of other things to get to as well. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Vince in Westlake is on hold. He was waiting before the interview. So let's get Vince up to talk about that impeachment, uh, and then we'll see what else we want to get into. Vince, thanks for the time. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. Thank you for your time, Bob. Thanks for what you do as always. We all very appreciate it. Um, just uh, two things that just, you know, uh, you, you can't help but ignore. Um, uh, the first thing is, wh- where's Obama in all this? Where Where is, are you going to sit here and, you know, not you, but people are going to sit there and tell you that he wasn't involved in any of this, he didn't know about this? You got uh, Biden sitting on TV bragging about, you know, taking the, the, the uh, getting the, the prosecutor fired and not getting the money until this. And, don't believe me? Call the president. Go ahead and ask him. He knew all this. He was right in on everything else. That him and his whole crew are behind this, and I, I'm just flabbergasted that nobody's looking at him yet and looking at his minions and his whole crew that was uh, ruining this country right now. And the second thing is, is that you know the, the thing that you and I've spoken about before is you know I, I just wish the Republicans would get off their backsides and and take a page out of the Democrat book, band together and and. Get these people and get after them. That's well. That's all I got today, brother. Yeah. Two two responses though. Before you go, um, 
Sure. One, I, I don't think there is anything that Joe Biden does that doesn't either have the approval or the guidance of Barack Obama. And I'm talking about back when he was vice president, and I mean even today. There is clearly not yep. enough brain capacity and, and competency in Joe Biden. And, I, you know, I, we chuckle, but, but I'm not trying to be funny. I mean... He he's just not a smart man talking about Joe Biden. No, no, you he's go not. back to you go back to the way he has tried to present himself as such. You know, I graduated with three degrees. He didn't. He graduated with one degree. I was in the top three in my law my law class. He was like like three from the bottom. Um, he's he, his entire life prof- professionally and politically has been a lie, and it's because he's not very adept at things. So I don't think there's any way he could be running all of the different scams that are going on here without somebody else over top. And yes, I believe that to be Barack Obama. They use the uh, he I used agree. him, you know, yep. as as a as as a puppet or as a tool to get some things done in in a, in a certain kind of way. Uh, and then I wanted to respond to the last part. What was the last thing you said? Uh, Vince, well, it's just about the Republicans. Just I, I you know, I, I, I just wish that they, you know, band together. Look at, look at, you know, God, you could have a Democrat person, a Democrat official, and that commit cold-blooded murder, murder in plain sight, heavy on videotape and everything, and that. And yet the Democrats would surround the wagons and stick up for the person and defend them to the death. Whereas the Republicans, it's just, I, I don't know, we just just don't seem to have our act together yet. Well, and, you know, it's it's um it's it's um it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time that we don't we don't submit to groupthink because I've, I've often talked about that being the difference between them and us. You know, the Democrats will indeed surrender all individual ideas that they have. They will for, they will forget their own you know agendas in order to band together to advance something that is going to harm, in my opinion, this country. Um, and the Republicans don't do that. They don't band together, and it's part, partly because they do value diversity in a way that the Democrats do not. Not of skin color and not of sex or orientation, but of thought. And and people, right, can, people can agree to disagree on a lot of things, and that's a blessing. But you're right. There comes a time when it's a curse as well. And when I see people like Ken Buck, who's supposedly a member of the Freedom Caucus, doing interviews on CNN saying, I don't support this impeachment inquiry because I don't see the evidence, when the evidence has been played out in front of all of those committees over the last year and a half, um, that's evidence of, uh, you know, that that's a, uh, of a time when it's a curse, that they can't get on Right, and that's the example I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's he's not the only one. <clears throat> He's not the only one, but he's uh, very clearly, uh, you know, uh, you know, and very vocally one of the the Republicans that are simply, um, I think, posing as conservatives, and they're really quite, you know, quite frankly, they're you know, they're there to almost infiltrate. They're almost like the Feds in the nine in the in the, in the, in the uh, January sixth crowd. They were there to try to actually stir up trouble and and get in the way of the movement that was being pushed forward there, which was yeah. an agenda that was yeah. legal enti- entirely. So. That's a lot, I know, but but I think you're right, and I think you, I think you make good points on both sides. It's I don't want all Republicans to say I agree, I agree, I agree, without giving any thought whatsoever. I value diversity of thought, but I do think there are times to band together. And watching the the evidence laid out before us of corruption of a current sitting president, if they can't come together on that, then I don't know if, if uh, Vince, there's anything they'll ever come together on. Well, and that's where you look at the middle ground. You know, you've got you. you yeah, that is an extremely valid point. You don't want to go too, you know, too far one way or too far the other way in that. But you know, you, you, we start looking at the middle ground, and you got to start looking at the people that you just referenced. So, you know, stupid things like you know, I don't see any evidence. Are you kidding me? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's what that's, Ken Buck said. And there are there are others. Yeah, there are others too who are like that. And and the worst part about it is, Vince, that feeds the leftist news cycle. Because then you know CNN takes that, and, and you know and the White House takes that, and they say even Republicans don't believe in this phony impeachment uh, inquiry, and and they'll use words that he says no evidence, no evidence, and it'll feed the yep. you know the news cycle, and then you get to and, and Vince, I'll let you go there, buddy. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You made some great points. Then you get to <clears throat> something I saw just literally moments ago, uh, CNN business headline, a story by Oliver Darcy on CNN. Um, it was from 11.40 p.m. last night. I just saw it moments ago. Headline, White House to send letter to news execs urging outlets to ramp up scrutiny of GOP's Biden impeachment inquiry based on lies. All right, that's a long headline. I'll say it again. White House to send letter to news execs urging outlets, that's the news outlets that they run, to ramp up scrutiny of GOP's Biden impeachment inquiry based on lies. That is literally Soviet-style propaganda coordination. That is the Biden regime issuing direct orders to their American Pravda to essentially toe the party line, uh, criticize the the movements by our political opponents, uh, defend the administration at all costs, ramp up scrutiny of the impeachment inquiry that they're calling just outright based on lies. There is a ton of information that is absolutely verifiable that are not lies, but they're just going to say anything that is critical of the Biden family and thus the Biden regime, we just need to de- just defame as being false. It's just based on lies. It's it's kind of like what they did with the campaign in 2016 of, of Donald Trump. We're just going to call, nope, nope, he's a Russian. He's a Russian asset, and Russians are helping him win the election. So it's fake and it's false. Do not allow him to, to have any breathing room whatsoever. Do not allow him to be declared a president. He's a Russian asset. Well, what evidence do you have? Find some. Makes them up. And what happened? Da, 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 da. Operation Crossfire Hurricane was born. A British, former British spy, Christopher Steele, was commissioned to create a phony dossier that would be submitted to a FISA court that would be used to get a, a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign and then the Trump administration. And guess who directed it all? The Hillary Clinton campaign. So you, you understand the way they operate. They operate in such dark, shadowy ways that it's almost impossible to to shine the bright light of transparency upon. But that's why we're here, and that's, of course, why they're trying to silence us. That's why they're trying to control what we can share on social media, what we can share on the AM radio airwaves, because we are the, um, ex- we, we're the bright light of transparency. We are exposing the shadowy, um, propaganda-like machinations of the Biden regime. And there it is on a CNN business headline. White House to send letter to news executives urging them to ramp up scrutiny of the GOP's Biden impeachment inquiry based on lies. It's really a remarkable thing when you, when you break it all down. 
They're just announcing it publicly. There's going to be a massive media-led propaganda campaign in support of the regime and critical of the opposition party. Where, where have you ever heard such things before? It, it, it's, it's really mind-boggling. I just posted this on my, my Facebook page, which is Always Right Radio. If you're not following my Always Right Radio Facebook page, please do so. I'm also on Twitter and uh, at Always Right and, uh, and, and so much more. It's, just, it's crazy. Let's go to um, uh, Diane in West Park. Diane, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. I have. I just don't know where this is all going. I mean, really, what what are we doing this for? I, if it had a good outcome, if we knew something was going to happen because of this, it would be worth it. But we already know that nothing's going to be coming of it other than, and you know what, Bob? I think we're preaching to the choir. You laid out everything this morning that a committee or whoever, you know, an impeachment committee is going to lay out. We know this stuff. Do we think the other side is listening? Have they? Do they care about anything we care about? I just don't get it. Isn't our time, talent, and treasure better put to other things? We're going to listen to this for the next year. We're going to listen to them come back, or if they even care about putting it in the media, and they're so good at ignoring things that are important to us. I just don't think we're going in the right direction. If this was going to be ever done, I I, I don't think there was ever a good point in this presidency that this would have, was scooped to be of any um, of any value. We know what we know. And your song adds to it. I mean, to music. Yeah, I just no. I don't get it. And and McCarthy's little sing song um, announcement of it. I, I thought he was reciting a poem by uh, E. Barrett Browning. You know, how have you scorned us, Mister Biden? Let me count the ways. <laughs> I, I, he couldn't come out with anything a little bit more fiery, a little bit more. Fire in the belly, shall we say? Well, see, but that's that's not his role, Diane. And thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's not his role, especially when he's just announcing the inquiry. The Speaker of the House cannot come out there and just start, you know, spitting fire and brimstone and saying, he did this and he did that. No. The point is, here is evidence that has been presented by witnesses and gathered through the investigations done by these uh, various committees, uh, oversight, judiciary, and ways and means. And it has warranted further investigation, which is what an inquiry is. So he needs to present that as such. We are interested in following up some of the stuff that we have already learned. Uh, it's the logical next step. Now, once all of the evidence is collected and presented... And once the evidence collected in an impeachment inquiry is enough to launch articles of impeachment and to get into that whole process, that is the time to say, here is what we know, and to do it with passion in the belly and fire in the belly, as you just described, and the brimstone and and fire and all this stuff. Um, But right now, he needs to look as though, um, which I think he did, um, he needs to look as though I am being an arbiter of this situation. I'm the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Information has been brought to my attention that I believe should 
and does require further investigation. Um, I cannot pronounce anything anyone guilty. I cannot pronounce anyone uh, you know, corrupt or declare any of these things to be true. But what we do know is that enough information has been gathered that it warrants further investigation in this in the form of an impeachment inquiry. So I think I think McCarthy handled it just fine. The time for the uh, the, the 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 rage, if you will, and the uh, you know the, the the detailing of facts with the, the anger and the and the passion you're talking about is coming. But that's going to come as the uh, uh, inquiry takes shape. Now, as to the question of whether or not they should do this, because we already know the outcome, this is something that I asked um, at the top of the show. we got plenty of time for you to answer the question. How do you define success in the impeachment inquiry, knowing that he's not going to be removed from office? Remember, the Democrats did everything they could to fabricate stuff to impeach Donald Trump twice, and they still couldn't remove him from office because they didn't have the votes in the Senate. That's going to be the case here. The Democrats control the Senate. So even if there's an impeachment inquiry, even if there are articles of impeachment uh, uh, that are introduced, and even if impeachment hearings and a vote take place, it's going to die in the Senate. We know that. So is it worth it? Is there value to holding the impeachment hearings? Is there value for this impeachment inquiry to get it started? And, and what is that value to you? How do you measure success if the ultimate end of this is going to be Joe Biden stays president? And I said before, I have my own answer to that question, but I want yours. How do you measure success of the impeachment inquiry? And I think there is a way to do it. I'm still going to give you more of a chance to answer it, though. Uh, BJ's in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Yes, Bob. Uh, you have ignited a couple of major things yesterday and today, but today you have ignited the truth about what's going to go on politically. The rest of this year, going well into next year, is going to be major fights between the two, actually three different divisions, the Democratic, Republican, and the Independents. This is going to be a very explosive next 12 months of political things that are going on. Also, your subject yesterday, and I was told not to bring it up, but you brought it up yesterday, and you were happy to see what the diocese did. And I'd like to bring to your attention that for the last 20 years, what we have done to little boys and little girls in transition and changing their sex and emasculating them the church had been silent on that, and now they're coming to grips with it. So between religion and politics, this is a very, very explosive time in our country. And you are going to be consumed with finding answers and expressing and exposing these things. And they're very important. Politics and religion are in major conflict today. And I have no reason to really call in other than to tell you and, and to try and wake up some of the public that if the public is not going to become involved and aware, then the public deserves the blame for letting these things carry on. Thank you, and God bless you, and thank you for your time. And I hope the girls forgive me. I didn't want to jump over into something else, but it was necessary. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It. 
Yeah, it's fine. You're right. And it was a topic from yesterday, and it's fine. I thank you for the call. Your points on the impeachment are well taken. And the follow-up on yesterday's conversation is going to continue, I promise, uh, not just today, uh, but really uh, you know, throughout the, the coming days and weeks. Um, what happened with the diocese, what we learned yesterday, the policy that they issued, uh, saying all parishes and parish schools will be following this guidance as it pertains to transgenderism and so forth, respecting Catholic doctrine and respecting uh, God's creation, which is, you know, the, the, the bodies of men and women to be uh, held uh, as sacred. All of those things are things I will definitely be willing to talk about. Um, probably not at this moment, because like I said, we're kind of launched into something else, but I'm going to make the next hour essentially a free-for-all. If you want to talk about that, we can. If you want to talk about the impeachment, we can. If you want to talk about anything else, uh, we're going to do that. I've got about 20 different topics in the, on my screen in front of me that I want to hit with you. If you want to guide them by making choices at 216-901-0945, that is just fine with me. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Alrighty. Hour number three. Off and running, seven minutes past 11 o'clock on this uh, Wednesday, the 13th morning of the ninth month, year of our Lord, 2023. Jack Windsor has the day off, by the way, which is why we're going with uh, free-for-all pretty much for the uh, next 45 minutes. Um... So the Daily uh, Caller has, has followed up on the CNN story uh, about the White House using the media executives uh, as their propaganda arm, telling them that in a letter that they are expected to cooperate with the way the White House wants them to cooperate in terms of their coverage of the uh, impeachment inquiry. The White House will demand, I love this phrasing, the White House will demand that major media outlets cover the impeachment inquiry into the president announced by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Thursday, on Tuesday with scrutiny. McCarthy directed the Republican Party to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden over his conduct as vice president. The White House is planning to send a letter to the executives of major news outlets such as CNN, The New York Times, Fox News, The Associated Press, and CBS News, explaining the impeachment inquiry, quote, should set off alarm bells for news organizations, (laughs) according to a draft copy obtained by CNN. 
It's time for the media to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies, end quote. A spokesperson for the White House Counsel's Office, Ian Sell, this is the guy that I played you a clip of before, wrote in the letter. That's who's writing the letter to the, to the news executives. Um, the DOJ alerted the House Judiciary Committee would not comply with its subpoenas, blah, blah, blah. The White House, the White House began preparing its own war room for an impeachment inquiry during an August recess, staffing two dozen lawyers, legislative aides, and communication staffers to prepare a response to the GOP efforts. Quote, Covering impeachment as a process story, Republicans say X, but the White House says Y, is a disservice to the American public, who relies on the independent press to hold those in power accountable, Sams wrote in the letter. And in the modern me, in other words, he doesn't want the media to be the media and just present what is being said. He wants them to slant their freaking coverage. Slant it as you always do in favor of left wing Democrats like Joseph R. Biden. Quote, and in the modern media environment where everyday liars, (laughs) I can't, I can't. Where everyday liars and hucksters peddle disinformation and lies everywhere from Facebook to Fox, process stories that fail to unpack the illegitimacy of the claims on which House Republicans are basing all their actions only serve to generate confusion, put false premises in people's feeds, and obscure the truth. End quote. All of that is in the letter that's being sent to the news executives including Fox, in which the letter condemns Fox as being peddlers of disinformation and lies. Where everyday liars and hucksters peddle disinformation and lies from Facebook to Fox, it says. I mean, I I, I don't know why I'm just so flabbergasted by this. This is business as usual for them, but it's rare, I guess, that they come out and just... Put it out there for all to see. Unless this was leaked. Maybe this was probably leaked, I guess. We know they have been collaborating, and here's their favorite word, colluding. They've been colluding, the Biden White House, just like the Obama White House did, and quite frankly, the Clinton White House before that. Colluding with the left-wing media to be their propaganda arm. But it's rare that they are just put it they put it in such black and white terms and actually have it end up being released and CNN to put it out there. I mean, who has been a bigger liar and huckster than the mainstream media? At every turn, the mainstream media that declared the Hunter Biden laptop to be a hoax. To be, to be a Russian disinformation campaign. Something that can't be believed or trusted. You should put no stock into that whatsoever before the election for the presidency of the United States. I mean, not one media outlet would do any homework on this except for the New York Post. And the New York Post did their homework on it, reported that it was verified and true, and they got spiked by social media so nobody could see what the New York Post reported. And they're complaining that the modern media environment is filled with everyday liars and hucksters like Fox that actually don't do justice to the left? This is, 
I, I don't I don't have words for it. This is staggering. This is just this is just throwing back the curtain so that we can all see how the sausage is made. How left-wing liars in government instruct left-wing liars in media to cover their left-wing lies and then project the same behaviors on their right-wing or conservative opponents. That's how it's done. We actually get to see how the sausage is being made. This is remarkable. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll go to University Heights. Yanina on AM 1420, The Answer. Yanina, go right ahead. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Well, you know, what? we have to, since Obama got a lot of training from the Communist Party, wherever he was, we have to use the same strategy. <laughs> Don't give up. Maybe, you know, you know what? When you find the person, you find the crime. So we have the person who is Joe Biden, and he has a crime. Everything needs to be copied, and everything needs to be made a double copy, make sure the record has to be safe. And, you know, it's about time to put Obama on the lie detector. And those lie detectors has to be tested by Republican people who are not trying it to make sure they're all correct. And he has to give us the record why he was not part of anything that happened. Because they're trying to threaten us. Don't let them threaten us. Don't back up. Go forward. And make sure that everybody who is part of this business, when Biden was in Obama office, it needs to be taken care of. You know, we don't have to. In social, you know, Trump said media is enemy of the country and of the people. So, and all of them they're doing because they want to have money and power. So let's see if Obama wants to give us some record. Maybe we need to talk to him. Maybe he has to. Tell us, you know, can he put, well, you know, what? he's a media light, uh, media darling Obama. Maybe he should go on the lie detector, too. What do you think? Well, I, well, yeah, that would be the day they would get him on a polygraph. Thank you, Yanina, for the call. Very, very, uh, and I appreciate your passion as well. Very good points. To uh, Cleveland next, Nancy on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Nancy, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, Just like that lady before the uh, news hour said, you're wasting your time with Biden uh, trying to impeach him. Uh, He's the wrong guy you should go after at this time uh, because he's got less than a year and a half, and hopefully he'll be out of there. The person you should go after is Mayorkas. Mayorkas is known as the biggest sex trafficker in the world, and our country is also known as the biggest sex trafficking country in the world. we got people calling from all over to get these uh, young people as indentured servants or sex sex trade uh, operatives. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we should impeach my orcas, and we should open the floodgates of all that he is doing behind our backs to bring this. Now, I just heard a great interview that Pastor Ernie played yesterday on his program Mm -hmm. where they're hiring young people to transport these illegal kids to sponsors and you need to interview uh tara rodas she was on epic times she works for the department of of health and human services she blew the whistle on how human services is not checking who these sponsors are and just handing these kids over now this young person that got interviewed yesterday's name is carlos he's one of the drivers they take them to those empty walmart buildings okay and that's where they drop the um uh 
kids off, and then mm-hmm. the sponsors come. And even though they're supposed to verify, there's a lot of them that are pretending, and they're picking them up. We've got processing, uh, big, large food processing plants in the Midwest that are using them as cleanup crews, okay? And uh, like I said, MS-13 has pretended that they're a sponsor, and uh, Human Health and Human Services does not go deep into checking okay. who these sponsors are. Okay. So Tara like, Rodas is who you need to interview, and you need to get that tape from uh, uh, Pastor Ernie on Carlos the uh, okay. uh, driver. Nancy, I appreciate all of that information, and I'll say this in response. Thank you for the call. Um, I don't want to get into that issue at the moment. Uh, it's a huge issue. Um, we have talked for many, many, many programs about what is going on at the border and what uh, kinds of horrific things are being done uh, because of the open border including human trafficking and all of the things that you're talking about. We spent a lot of time talking about the sound of freedom. Uh, so I don't disagree about the impeachment of Mayorkas. I also don't disagree that there should be an impeachment of Merrick Garland. But there are only so many things that can be done. Um, as far as the impeachment of Joe Biden, once again, we can forget about getting him out of office before the end of his term. You can forget about getting him out of office, period. There will never be a conviction of a Democrat-controlled Senate of a Democrat president. That's just reality. We're not going to have a Democrat Senate uh, convict Joe Biden no matter what is exposed by the impeachment inquiry and subsequent impeachment uh, uh, hearings leading up to an impeachment vote. It's not going to happen. So the question becomes, is it worth doing at all? What is the value of it? And how do you measure that success? And I will tell you, because I've been asking everybody to answer this question, I will tell you that there is value in doing this, even though you know the outcome won't be Joe Biden being removed from office. And quite frankly, it would terrify me if he was, because that would mean that for the remainder of the term, you would have President Kamala, which is a more devastating proposition than President Metamucil could could ever be. Not to mention, she would then go into 2024 as the incumbent president and defending her, her, uh, you know, her, her, her throne, which is just like I said, it's a, just a horrific thing to even contemplate to have somebody that extraordinarily stupid in control of the, the greatest country and the most powerful country in the world. So I wouldn't want him to be removed at this point anyway, but the value is is in getting the media. This is why the White House sent out their their letter to 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 their uh, American Pravda, which is the American media, the mainstream legacy media, telling them to cover this in the manner that the party demands they cover this. Because the real value in the impeachment inquiry and and potential impeachment hearings after that is that all of the things that the media has ignored. They will no longer be able to because they'll televise these meetings. And, and the, 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 the networks that won't carry it are going to lose huge. They're going to televise the, these like they televised in prime time, the January 6th committee hearings. They're going to give people what they need to know about how corrupt not just the Biden family is, but the Biden regime, the Department of Justice the FBI, and all the way down the line to the point where uh, moderate American voters, undecided voters, independent voters, centrist voters are going to see sides of the Democrat Party and of the Biden regime that they never knew existed because they don't get covered. 
when there's a just a routine judiciary committee hearing where people are testifying and whistleblowers, they can ignore those things. If this is done in an impeachment setting, they have no choice but to cover it, and they're going to hear the facts coming from these witnesses. They're going to hear the facts coming about the bank records, about the millions, the, the amounts, about the emails, about everything that was in the laptop, all of that stuff that the media can conveniently ignore because it doesn't work toward their agenda will not be able to be ignored. And the left knows it. The Biden uh, regime knows it. That's why they're sending that letter out saying, hey, hey, media, you're going to have to cover this now. You've been, you've been doing a great job of not presenting this to the American people before, but now you're going to have to cover it, and they're going to see it. So we need you to spin it a certain way. We need you to skew it some kind of way that is going to be less damaging for us. We expect and demand your cooperation. That's what that letter was. There is value to the impeachment hearings, even if you're in the inquiry, even if you know it will not end up in Joe Biden being removed from office. I hope that makes some sense. Um, Sally in Berea next. Hi, Sally. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I actually called to agree with what you just said about the breaking through the wall of silence for the um, uh, coverage from the media. Um, it needs to be exposed to the public. We all know what's, um, what the situation is, but it hasn't been distributed. And before the 24 election, we need to have all the voters aware of all the um, crimes that were committed. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, we do. And uh, thank you, Sally. I appreciate the call. Um, and I'm glad to, to get somebody you know with the testimonial uh, agreeing to as much. Um, I am, uh, I am very, very concerned, um, about the power that the media has and the power that social media has on, how do I phrase this? On checking the checking of the media. I'm concerned about the power of the legacy media. One of the ways we can check that power is to put truth on social media but the problem is that social media, particularly Facebook, now that Elon is running uh, Twitter, it's a little bit different. But but Facebook and Instagram and, and, and the other social media platforms that are run by leftists, they spike, censor, shadow ban, and suspend information that checks the mainstream media. So, in other words, they're putting the checks on the checkers of the mainstream media, allowing the mainstream media's narrative to be told without any uh, obstruction whatsoever. Does that make sense? That's kind of what that's where my my concern is. We can provide the facts that the mainstream media omits. We can make the corrections to the lies that the mainstream media tells. But we often use social media as the vehicle to do those things. And if we don't have that, well, the, the, the task before us is that much tougher. It's that much higher of a hurdle, if you will. Uh, Andy in Middleburg Heights. Andy, go ahead. 
Good morning, sir, and thank you for taking my call as always. Uh, First off, before I go any farther, thank you for having such call screener that you have with the respect for us older people. You know, I'm in I'm in my mid 80s and I'm housebound, so sometimes they just call me an old fart. But (laughs) (laughs) she has respect, and and I appreciate you having her. Uh, The thing I want to call about again. This is the third time, and it's not that you're not doing the job. It's just the third time I've heard an investigative reporter saying that these people that Biden put in office, the attorney general and all the way down the line, these people are there. They're not there legally. They're there illegally because they have to take the oath of office, and it's got to be on tape and they have to sign a paper, and it has to be notarized saying that they will back the Constitution. And none of these people have done it, and these three investigative reporters cannot find this evidence. So all these people that are in there, the Attorney General, Mayorka, all of them, they're all there illegally. They're running this country illegally. These people should be charged with treason because they're not backing the Constitution. And I just, I, I hear the frustration of every one of your callers. You know, I'm housebound, so I can flip channels and listen to other stations and everybody's getting so frustrated I'm afraid something bad is going to happen before the election because there's so much frustration out there I know the voting is the thing that's going to change it but uh, I'm just bending my frustration to you and and these, these people are all there illegally and how can they get away with it? And we're we're sitting well, back here, and we can't do anything about it. Well, let me uh, let me give you some of that. Thank you, uh, Andy, for the call. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't like to play that game. I don't like to get into the illegally. They're there illegally. That's what they did to Trump for the entirety of his term. He's an illegitimate president. He's not legally elected. He was brought brought he was uh, supported by Russians. They interfered with the election. Blah blah blah. I don't want to do that. You're right about the oath, and they have to take that oath, and they have to try to honor that oath and uphold that oath. That's their job. However, there is gray area. There is room for, I am honoring the oath. Here's how I interpret it. Here's how I view the Constitution. Here's how I interpret the Constitution. The interpretation of the Constitution, uh, you know, the job of that belongs to the courts. But it is, there is, that's the reason we have the courts, because people read the same line in a Constitution, in our Constitution, and take it two different ways. So you're not going to be able to make any headway with, well, they're not upholding the Constitution, therefore they are illegal, therefore get rid of them. It's going to take more than that. I do feel your frustration, and God bless you for for your passion and being in your 80s and still being politically active enough to call and vent these things on radio shows, Andy. God bless you for that. But we have to uh, we have to approach this the right way. It's 11:27. Time out. Back after the break. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, it's uh, 11.35. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. I I told you I had like a dozen or more uh, subjects that I didn't get to today. I want to try to clear the decks somewhat uh, with, with, with just a couple of words on this. If you did not see or hear... The story of the American Secretary of Energy in the Biden regime, whose name is Jennifer Granholm, who is the former governor of Michigan, and who is the um, leading proponent in the administration as energy secretary of the conversion and the switch to electric vehicles, right? So Jennifer Granholm 
uh, is the energy secretary, and she drives because she's you know she's 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 committed to the to the mission of of making sure that everybody is switching over to electric vehicles. So she drives an electric vehicle, and that's just super. Uh, really, really glad for her. It's kind of like she probably wears a mask everywhere she goes, even though she's by herself too. But she's she's virtue signaling and driving the electric vehicle. Well, apparently, it's not the most convenient thing to do, especially considering there aren't a whole ton of electric gas or electric charging stations. So when you're the energy secretary and you're driving an electric vehicle and you're out virtue signaling with your crew in your electric vehicle and you realize you're running low on juice and you've got to get yourself to a juice station fast, well, then you're going to have to take some steps. What kind of steps did the energy secretary pushing electric vehicles on all Americans, what kind of steps does she take? Uh, let's, let's check in with a, with a 911 call made by a concerned citizen who needed to char- charge her own electric car. Listen to this story. I'm a wine. Hi, I'm calling because I'm in the Grovetown Walmart at the charging station, and there's literally a non-electric car that is taking up the space who says they're holding the space for somebody else, and it's holding up a whole bunch of people who need to charge their cars. All right, you're at the Walmart on Sonner Way. Um, the one in Grovetown that, that has the Arby's in front. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are they Hello? still there? They're still here, but one spot opened up, which is, like, not them. But there's other people who are waiting to charge, and they're still here. And they're not an electric car. And the sign says that it has to, you, can't, you can't park here unless you're charging. No. What kind of car is it? It's a Corolla. It's black. Do you, see a, do you see a tag number? Um, I can get it, but they said that their person's going to be here in two minutes that they're holding the spot for. So maybe. Well, now I'm charging, so I don't even care anymore. But yeah. <laughs> I hope you understood all of that. The energy secretary who is pushing electric vehicles to green up the, the, the country and to save the planet. The energy secretary had to have somebody drive a gas-powered car ahead of her to hold a spot at a charging station until she got there. Because she didn't want to have to wait for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes for another car to charge up its battery. And then wait for another 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, depending on how many more miles she wanted to put on her charge to do her car. So she had a gas car driven to the spot uh, in front of the charging uh, port uh, in, in, in the Walmart parking lot to hold it for her. So she wouldn't have to wait in line to charge her POS EV. You know what an EV stands for, and you probably know what POS stands for, too. So I just found that to be one of the most outstanding and hilarious stories I have seen in a long time. This is the demonstration of what's coming to all of us if we allow these nuts to remain in power, to push non unnecessary um, 
green energy policies such as getting rid of uh, you know combustion engines and getting uh, internal combustion engines and getting rid of uh, oil and gas and fossil fuels and so forth and put everybody in EVs number one these completely incomprehensibly ignorant people have no idea where the electricity that they are pumping or rather that they are using to charge their car comes from that electricity that flows through that little port from that little charging station comes from where anybody want to tell her fossil fuels usually coal and natural gas that is what is what provides energy to the electrical grid for crying out loud no that's number one number so in other words their entire premise is flawed from the get-go but number two they think that if they replace every fuel station, every gas station, on every exit ramp, on every highway in America, and on every street corner, in every urban American city, with electric, uh, with electric charging stations, that will solve the problem. Remember two or three things here. Number one, there are cities in this country, particularly in the hotter climates, they cannot run their air conditioners all at the same time because the energy grid can't handle it. They gotta have rolling brownouts or blackouts just to be able to navigate a summer. That's number one. Number two is even if they could manage this on the energy, on the electrical grid, even if they could do this, who's got 20 or 30 minutes to charge up their vehicle every time they need a new charge? Who's got time to do that? Who They're not going to be able to drive in a, a gas-powered Toyota Corolla to hold the spot for anybody anymore, could they, Energy Secretary Granholm? Nobody's got time for that. Number three, they're trying to retrofit trucks or get rid of trucks and build new ones as EVs. And the standards that are being set by Joe Biden and the Biden administration, if these are to take effect in 2025 as they plan, it would literally drive virtually every independent trucker and small business shipping company out of business because they would never be able to afford to do this with all of their trucks to the tune of somewhere between forty to $50,000 per truck they would have to invest in it to convert it over or to build them. It'll be that much more to build them uh, and then sell them. And the drivers, you imagine how big the battery is going to have to be for an over-the-road truck, an 18-wheeler to use, imagine how big it is and thus how much longer it will take to charge, even at fast-charging stations, at least a couple of hours. Those drivers don't get paid while their vehicles aren't moving. Those drivers do not get paid while the vehicles sit. They pull into a, into a, 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 truck, a truck service station and fill up their truck with diesel, and they're out in five to ten minutes. Now they're going to have to be there for two, three, four, five hours. This is just an astounding display of evidence of how ridiculous this EV push really is. And I haven't even touched on the fact that if you really did believe that the environment needed to be saved from, from, from the mining of coal and the fracking of natural gas and the drilling of oil, if you really think the planet needed to be saved by that, from that, how in the hell is it any better to... 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.